I'm Heather Smith from Yale Health. Today we welcome Dr. David Smith, internist at Yale Health and associate clinical professor at Yale University School of Medicine. Thanks for coming in, Dr. Smith. Thank you. You've been in the studio before to talk about a variety of health topics, but today we'll have a conversation about you. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So let's start sort of in the beginning. Um, What did you want to be when you grew up? Yeah, when I was really young, I thought I was going to be an architect. Um, For some reason, I really enjoyed, like, drawing buildings and constructing buildings out of blocks and things like that. I thought I would be an architect. Okay, that's fun. And um, what was your first job? Um, I lived in rural Virginia. And so my first job uh, I got when I was 13 years old. I worked at a country store. um, And I did everything that you can do at a country store, stock shelves, pump gas, uh, <laughs> cut up slabs of meat, uh, things like that. Um, and I worked there till I was 16. And then uh, my mother, who was a nurse, um, worked at Lynchburg General Hospital. And she said there was a, now that I was 16, there was a job there as an orderly. Um, and I was making a dollar an hour as a as okay. a working in the country store, and I could get a dollar fifty an hour working as an orderly. So I, I was all in. It was an easy easy decision to yes. make. Um, when did you first start thinking about becoming a doctor, or really make the decision? Well, I mean, clearly having that opportunity uh, was really formative for me. Um, it started out just as a you know lowly orderly, getting people out of beds, transporting to radiology, et cetera, but. Um, not fairly soon, I was able to uh, work it, as a tech in the ER, and I worked uh, two summers in operate, operating room, uh, scrubbing in on cases. Uh, and I got to as a you know most of the other scrub techs were or nurses were women, and so I was in the male dressing room <laughs> with all the male doctors there. So I got a chance to you know meet with doctors and talk with them and kind of learn about their lives and what they were doing. And it just uh, really resonated with me. And, uh, you know, that's, you know, how I decided to be a doctor. How old were you when you were scrubbing in? in Probably 18, maybe, 17 or 18. Great. Was there anyone in particular who influenced you in your career choice? Um, No, I think it it was those experiences more than any individual person. Okay. And um, so then, I guess I should say, you know, again, I have a medical family. My father, grandfather, was a dentist. My mother was a nurse. So they're probably. I guess I should really say that my mother and grandfather <laughs> influenced me in that okay, way. Okay, that makes sense. Um, so then, off to college and then medical school. What was the hardest part in that path to become a doctor? Uh, you know, I think that at every level, um, it got tougher and tougher for me. I was, uh, you know, the top graduate of my high school co- uh, class, and then I go to college, and I was, you know, a competitive student, but, you know, I had to work a lot harder there. And then in medical school, of course, they skimmed off all the top of the, you know, med- uh, colleges across the country. And so it was really uh, difficult, long hours. I didn't really have as good study skills as I should have or I could have. Um, and so I think I think for me it was really just um, a very hard road in terms of studying long hours and lack of sleep uh, to get where I was. Okay. Did you have a mentor along the way? 
a number of mentors, um, particularly um, in my residency and early um, years as a doctor. I uh, did a residency at Dartmouth um, Medical School, uh, Mary Hitchcock Hospital, and uh, uh, there was a particular doctor there, a general internist named Brendan Riley, uh, who, you know, I learned a lot from, and he was my mentor in uh, in my residency, and then also later um, when I came back there as a f- early faculty member. Okay. Um, what do you wish you had known when you started out? What was it? Yeah, you know, I I, I think I've developed over time. Um, uh, Really great time management skills. Um, I I I keep um, uh, track of you know how I'm spending my time, making certain I apportion it and get get projects done and ability to move them forward. And I really didn't know how to do that when I first started out. As I think back, uh, f- for example, this has allowed me working as a full time doctor to write several books uh, on, on the side. Um, by you know doing them very methodically over over time, and I think I could, probably could have done three times as much <laughs> if I had known these skills like early on. Early you on. know that sort of the time management skills they were hard won. So you mentioned some books that you've written. Do you want to tell us a little bit about those? Yeah. So um, medical textbooks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I um, have written a, a pretty successful medical textbook on physical diagnosis. That's my passion in, in internal medicine is uh, physical diagnosis. I write, have written about that, uh, teach it uh, at, the, at the medical school. Um, I also wrote a uh, small textbook of internal medicine. I led a group of, um, of uh, Yale internal medicine residents and helped to shape a, a small medical textbook uh, for use in residency. Some of the authors of that, I, I assigned senior medical residents uh, chapters in the, in the book and then edited those. And a lot of the authors have gone on to you know, uh, become faculty members at various medical schools across the country. And uh, one of them is a, a prize-winning author herself. And I, I like to think that she uh, got her start uh, writing for my textbook. Absolutely. You were probably a mentor to <laughs> yeah. them. Um, what was what surprised you most about being a doctor? Um, I am naturally kind of very introverted, I think. Um, and as a doctor, I find myself I can uh, connect with patients and express myself a lot. And and um, uh, I love listening to their stories and. Um, and, and making connections with uh, patients uh, on a, a daily basis, and so I think t- taking somebody who would be, you know, naturally introverted and you know uh, not as interpersonal and really uh, coming out uh, in this interpersonal way has been very surprising to me and gratifying. Absolutely. Um, where did you work before you came to Yale Health? Uh, so I, I did uh, my residency at Dartmouth. I did a fellowship in general internal medicine at Penn, at University of Pennsylvania. And then I started out on the faculty at University of Pennsylvania. I was there for several years. Then Dr. Riley, Brendan Riley, brought me back to Dartmouth, where I was on the faculty there for, for five years. And then, then uh, I came here 26 years ago. Okay. Um, can you describe what it was about Yale Health that made you want to work here? Um, location, location, location. <laughs> so um, my 
my wife uh, got her MBA in uh, consumer uh, product marketing when at Dartmouth while I was a resident. And uh, when we were back there, um, it was, I think, very difficult for her professionally to uh, work in that field because there weren't any major corporations that in right. that area. So we moved down here to uh, for her to have opportunities. And as I was looking around, uh, this seemed like it was a good opportunity. I that At that point in time, I knew enough that really the three things I wanted to do, accomplish, uh, and I saw the opportunity to do it at uh, Yale Health were, number one is practice of internal medicine. I just love doing that. Number two was teaching Yale medical students. And uh, number three was writing. And so I was able to uh, focus my energies on those three aspects. Uh, and coming here meant that I didn't need to do some of the other things I needed to do in the academic medicine world, such as grant writing and publishing articles and things like that. Um, what is the thing you love most about your work? Um, so many things. Uh, I, from the medical standpoint, I love diagnosis. Um, to me, uh, every patient who comes in with uh, symptoms or a problem is like a, a perfect little puzzle uh, that I can solve uh, with my skills uh, of taking a, a good history, um, doing a physical examination, and using logic based on my knowledge of medicine. Uh, I, that is the part that I love the most about internal medicine. Um, but I also, uh, Yale Health is a great opportunity. Um, I get to uh, continuously learn and improve, particularly in relation to my colleagues. We help each other in terms of keeping up with the latest literature and staying on top of things. Yale Health is always looking to um, try to improve our practices um, uh, no matter how good we are. We always strive to, to be better. We try to measure that and, you know, make improvements. And these are all behind the scenes, but it's something I really enjoy uh, seeing us um, put things into place uh, before other practices. As an example, uh, we adopted an electronic medical record in uh, 2003, which was probably 10 years before other uh, health plans or other practices in the state of Connecticut adopted electronic medical records. Uh, so I think that being in that practice, and finally, I, you know, well, I, you know, enjoy, I do enjoy my, my colleagues, particularly I have colleagues across the age spectrum, including uh, younger colleagues, uh, and I, I like that a lot. Okay. What is, what is the hardest part of your job? I think that, um, I don't think that Patients always recognize there's so much um, information that flows through uh, the primary care clinicians. Um, we are on this platform of electronic medical platform of Epic, and Epic is designed that the they that around a, at least seems to me around primary care clinicians, and so patients will choose their the doctor or nurse practitioner or PA that they want to uh, be their primary clinician. But then everything that happens to us, we get told. To them, we get told. So if they make a visit to a specialist, if they make a visit to the ED, if they have a test done, a consultation done, um, hospitalization, all that information flows back through us. And so we need to read through it and digest it. We need to make um, 
hundreds of decisions, big and small, on a you know daily basis, not just with the patients in front of us in the clinic, but also ones we're dealing with and test results that come back and et cetera. And doing those um, with a high degree of focus and fidelity is, I think, very challenging. Um, and you know, hopefully, doing it uh, with a minimum of error. Right, and I think that's something that patients probably don't even realize is going on behind the scene necessarily. Probably, yeah. Um, so you're obviously very interested in medicine and are a student of it still. Um, what are you curious about right now in terms of that? Or maybe not even, maybe just generally curious, not even about your job. Um, yeah, from the medicine standpoint, again, I mentioned that I, my passion is about physical diagnosis. So I'm still writing textbooks related to that and researching some areas of physical diagnosis that are hard to find in the literature and trying to pull those uh, together. Um, so I, that's almost a hobby of mine, sort of researching and writing. Um, so I do that on an ongoing basis. Um, but, I, you know, I, I love uh, hearing about, I often ask my patients what they're doing, you know, what they do here at the university. And, you know, they're, you know, maybe say they're a researcher. What are they studying? And I uh, love hearing about that. Um, and then following up with some reading about that and, and finding out more about it. Um, I've always liked things like physics, and so uh, I like things like relativity theory and, you know, learning more about physics and cosmology and, um, yeah. Yes, you keep yourself busy. Um, So what types of things do you like to do when you're not here at Yale Health taking care of patients in your free time when you're not maybe studying or researching? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, so I mentioned I do uh, writing and I I have a full-time job, so I can't do it when I'm at work. Right. So that happens on my own time. So I spend time doing that. Um, my uh, um, I, my wife and I like to go to estate sales and um, uh, antiques markets and shows and things like that. Um, I don't spend too much there, but I enjoy seeing them. <laughs> okay, and um, I kn- I do know that in your office you have some um, some running pins. Mm-hmm. Of something. Can you tell us a little bit about that? What oh, okay. Yeah, I mean. Patient, they, those used to be in my uh, – if the patients who have been with me long enough to have been over on Hill House know that those were posted on my bulletin board, and so people would always see those in common. And sometimes when we moved over here, they said, I miss that. You know? <laughs> um, I, I used to uh, run quite a bit, um, never you know, really long distances, 5 or 10K uh, okay. races. Uh, those, you haven't looked too closely at them. A lot of them are pretty old, uh, you know. <laughs> I don't. I think my knees don't let me uh, do the running like I used to. I've substituted walking. But, okay. So you know, I try to advise my patients that uh, you know any kind of exercise works. Right. Absolutely. Um, so, what is the most important advancement you've seen in the practice of medicine during your career? Hmm. Oh boy, there's it, it's such a different um, feel than it was when I started out. I mean, two things stand out for me uh, because I was kind of there. I feel like I was there at the beginning of them. My first rotation um, on in, in, in medicine, which is a pediatrics rotation, uh, they had just unboxed and hooked up the first CAT scanner at U- University of Virginia Hospital. And so uh, we had a pediatric patient that came in and got the first CAT scan at University of Virginia Hospital. And so I feel like, you know, because was there right at the start of that. And then, of course, you know, now they've got much more advanced imaging, MRIs and such. And so I think the ability to 
uh, do advanced imaging is is something that uh, has been really fascinating to me. And then there are diseases uh, that weren't known or didn't exist when I was a medical student, for example, AIDS. Okay. So uh, my uh, intern year at Dartmouth, uh, kind of kind of in the middle of nowhere, um, I was in, doing my second rotation, which was an intensive care unit rotation, and there was a young man who came in uh, critically ill with a advanced pneumonia. Uh, we're trying to figure out what was going on with him, he was, and uh, they, we had to do a scope and get a specimen, and we found... Uh, Pneumocystis carinii, which is an organism that you usually only find with people with uh, compromised immune system, immune deficiencies, and you know, we why would this young, healthy person have this uh, right. pneumonia? You know, you look up how do you treat it. So you treated it with pentamidine. The only way to get pentamidine was at that point in time was to call the CDC in Atlanta. Wow. So, we, so I placed a call to the CDC in Atlanta to get pentamidine sent to us so we could treat this person. And uh, when I called and, and they asked me a little bit more details about it, uh, they put me on hold and they got me some, somebody there who was now – who was, apparently was researching uh, a cluster of cases that had been reported in New York City. Wow. Um, and wanted to know all about this. And it turns out this, actual, this person actually lived in New York City. And was, came home when he got sick to New Hampshire, and so was admitted there. And so, this patient was included in the first case reports from in the bulletin for the CDC um, uh, for AIDS. And uh, so, and so that is a story that's uh, played out with the ability to um, recognize it, uh, develop many effective treatments to make it into a chronic disease, and now ways to prevent it with PrEP. And so I feel like it's one of these things where, again, I had the uh, rare opportunity to be there at the very beginning of, of it and see it play out its almost full spectrum. I hope there's going to be uh, vaccines uh, and treatments to get rid of it in patients and, and really play out the full spectrum. But I feel like that's a good example of something that didn't exist at all when I was a medical student and, and has gone through a really uh, full cycle. Um, so from there, I think we'll ask you, um, where, where do you see the practice of medicine? Where do you think it'll be in 10 years or in 20 years? I, I think maybe genomics and personalized medicine are going to be two of the big areas, and those two are related to each other. We're getting a lot uh, better ability to uh, make very precise diagnoses, not just um, does this person have breast cancer, but what are the genes that are... Uh, uh, not working well or turned on uh, to cause this? And then what are the treatments that can be used to effectively uh, treat this particular genetic combination or rearrangement? And this is best seen in cancer, but probably exists for every every condition that we have. So I, I've, I already see uh, more and more coming out about that. I think we'll get greater and greater abilities to diagnose people on a very specific level, so it's not like it's just, um, you know, heart attack or stroke. It, it'll be right. very uh, specific mechanisms for a specific person that has uh, specific treatments that will be informed by uh, uh, genomics, genetic testing, and, and, uh, and, and play that, that out as well, 
probably my guess over the next 10, 15 years. Okay. We really appreciate you coming in today. And I know that um, I think everyone in our community will be really interested to hear a little bit more about you and where you came from and what you see for the future. Thank you. Thank you for asking me.